It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to Movies, Films, and Flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer, and joining me is a man who loves walking up to electrified fences and eating the peanut butter off of them, Adam Hodgins. I, it is my favorite pastime. You are correct. I mean, it, it's a risk-reward, correct? I mean, it, peanut butter tastes better off of a wire. I, 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 I think that's true. I mean, you know, for me, I stopped eating just random peanut, you know, peanut butter. I didn't think it was too extreme, you know. So now I just skydive and eat peanut butter, or I'm on I a so motor, or I'm on a motorcycle eating peanut butter. <laughs> I can I can get behind that 100. percent I'm I just use sometimes I'll just um put a peanut butter on a fork and then stick the other side of the fork into a socket. <laughs> so I, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> no, it, it's just to, to get it as much charge in there as you can. Yeah, and I mean, we could do this in this movie that we're talking about, Peter Rabbit. They fly in airplanes, eat peanut butter in there. They're on motorcycles, eat peanut butter in there. Like, plenty they, of places that eat extreme peanut butter. That's what I, it I is, extreme. It is the planes, <laughs> trains, and automobiles of animal movies. Yeah. I mean, some people do extreme snowboarding. I extreme peanut butter. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Now, we have some very special guests with us, uh, Adam. So, you want to you wanna introduce them? Yeah, so we have actually... Um, the two biggest Peter Rabbit fans that I could find, which happened to be also my children. So my son, Grayson, is here. He's 10 years old. Say hello, Grayson. Hello. He 
clapped first and then he said hello because he's very dramatic. <laughs> and then we also have my daughter who is eight and it's her name is Aislin. Aislin, can you say hello? Hi. Hello. There we go. Um, so Grayson is named for Dick Grayson. Oh, wow. His, his middle name is Wayne, so it's Grayson Wayne. So that's a little homage to Batman and Robin there. Dick Grayson, Bruce Wayne. Right. And Aislin gets her name from uh, the princess from the movie Dragonheart. Whoa. So it's a deep cut, deep cut movie reference from for, from my kids that, there. That's the Sean Connery, Dennis Quaid yelling one, right? It sure is. It doesn't rhyme, but it makes sense. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so we need to talk about that movie, by the way. That that needs to go on the short list, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> of our long I, list. Because <laughs> I think I mentioned to you my my Dennis Quaid theory. He doesn't make a bad movie. He just yeah no I, At, I this, think his you're worst right. movie is very very watchable because he's in it exactly he brings his A game. But we stumbled across Peter Rabbit as a family because um, we we get together and do family movie nights uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit, mm-hmm. and sometimes you get some duds. And sometimes you get some great ones, but never have I seen a reaction from my entire family like we did when we watched, sat down and watched Peter Rabbit. And I, I can't believe that that movie made you laugh that hard. I, I was dying laughing watching the movie. It's but just, you fell off your chair. I we, there was a there was a number. It was, we were a very animated family that night watching it. It was just it was the perfect <laughs> moment. It was very cinematic. It was our our family looked like the Peter Rabbit family going on there. Uh, when um, uh, when uh, Megan and I watched it, my wife and I, who uh, you two are best friends now after the Venom pod, and we, w- we, w- we watched it, and I didn't know what to expect, right? I just knew that my brother, uh, he told me that he and his kids loved it. My good friend Matt, uh, a.k.a. Kahuna, he and his kid watched it and loved it. So I'm like, well, let's watch it. So Megan and I sat down, and this the tone just caught me off guard, and we just laughed so hard at the rib-breaking and... Uh, you know, I almost broke it, a rib laughing at the the rib breaking. It, it really goes for it. It doesn't hold anything back. And so I, this movie is so side character rich. That's my favorite part of it, for sure. I just love the. Exactly. the I mean, the the yeah. All right, so what were you saying? Well, I'm just that. So I was thinking before you and I kind of get to the meat of this, um, and before my kids head to bed, I thought they could each give you what they thought of the movie, their favorite part, and why they would recommend it to somebody. I love it. I can't wait to hear it. All right, so Grayson, do you want to go first? Ladies before gentlemen. <laughs> I love it. Okay, but you are older, and your sister is maybe a little bit more nervous than you are, so give us why you liked it, your favorite part, and why you'd recommend it to a friend. Well, my mom has the old version of Peter Rabbit in our movie shelf, and when I was younger, I used to watch it all the time. Right. So, at first, everything seemed like stop, go, stop, go. So, I didn't know what to expect from this. Right. But when I watched it, it was hilarious. I instantly knew that this was going to be the best movie Aislinn has ever seen as soon as those birds got knocked out of the sky. Yes. <laughs> the singing birds. Singing Steal My the Sunshine. Classic exactly. So, what would you say is your favorite part of the movie? Well... When um, my favorite part was when everybody was hiding in the flowers and everything, and and Mr. McGregor was out trying to get rid of them mm-hmm. in try, in the store. But okay. my favorite was Mopsy 
no, not Mopsy, but Cottontail. Cottontail, when she flew out of the sky. <laughs> like, where? How? In the world? Did she get up there? There's no ladders. There's no, like, seriously. But yet, she falls straight out of the sky, and boom. I think she got there because she's the oldest. I love how high she could jump. Wasn't there a scene in the movie where one of them jumped really high? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Was, that Cotton- was that Cottontail? Yeah, the girl with the green vest. Yeah. That's her. Okay, Aislinn, so what, what, was you, what do you think of the movie? I think it's really, really funny. Yeah? Would you say you have a favorite part of the movie? No, because my favorite part of the movie is the whole movie. <laughs> That is a very, very bold assumption, Aislinn. Yes, it is. Okay. So your favorite part of the movie is half an hour long. You know what yes. my well, you know what my favorite part, part is, uh, Aislinn? My my favorite part is when they're sitting there watching uh, Thomas and he's spraying the bottle and they're going, "That's normal," and then they're like, "That's not normal," and he's spinning around in a circle shooting it, and then she's like, "That's normal," and then he shoots himself in the face and they're like, "Yeah, definitely not normal." <laughs> that was so. Cracking up over here. That was so weird. That I, that was just the humor I loved. He's he's this guy sprinting around in a circle, and then he sprays himself. This is my not normal. Normal, not normal. What a funny okay. scene. So Grayson, out of one out of ten stolen carrots, how many carrots would you give this movie? Give him all the beans. Yes, <laughs> twenty beans. Wait, so 20 ten beans. carrots is roughly equivalent of about forty-seven beans. Right, so it's a solid six, six and a half carats. <laughs> Aislinn, how many stolen carrots out of ten would you give this movie? No one can see what you're doing on a microphone. Ten? Ten. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> see a big old ten. Do you, think a, right, do you think a Dalek would have made it better? No. No. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it would have ruined the whole thing. It's hilarious the way it is. <laughs> Finally, I agree with you with something. <laughs> but Aislinn and I were watching Doctor Who the other day. And it was an episode with Craig in it, and we realized that he was the voice of Peter Rabbit. So it's a connection between her favorite show and her favorite movie. Oh, wow. Mind blown. Mind blown. Well, thanks for joining. That was fun. Thanks for joining us. Okay, you guys go and brush your teeth and hop into bed, okay? Okay. Thank you. Let's do it again. We'll we'll do it again. Bye. Bye. Go Daleks. Go Daleks. We're uh we're kind of doing baby. <laughs> we're kind of doing camp mode a little bit here because their mom's in Peru right now. Oh wow! Yeah, she's uh she's doing summer camp there for Peruvian kids, and so she's she's away for a couple weeks. So we're just kind of doing a bunch of movies and whatnot. <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping you would say that she's hunting for Paddington. Oh, how good is Paddington? Dude, Paddington one and two are just national treasures. I I almost don't want to talk about them because they're just so good. <laughs> I don't know so, how to capture how good they are in a podcast. I think the scene that captures how endearing that those movies are is in the first movie when it's raining and Paddington looks at the emergency marmalade sandwich in his hat and he thinks about it and then he says, no, it's not, it's not bad enough yet. And he puts it back on his head and then the guard hands him a much bigger sandwich from under his hat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that to me is just like that's how endearing that movie is. Is that is summed up in that moment right there. My favorite moment of the two is Barry the security guard in the second one when 
uh, you know, it's a guy, I forget his name, but he wrote, he's also in Mindhunter, he was in Mighty Boosh, and he also wrote these movies. But there's a scene where he's a security guard, and he's telling the story later on. He's like, and I and I blast it out with my my blinding speed, and you just see him walking (laughs) fast, drinking coffee. (laughs) So, this movie, Peter Rabbit, like like my kids made an allusion to, my wife is a huge Beatrix Potter fan, like, loves them, loves and. When you were a kid, did you ever have like a promotion where when you filled up your tank of gas, you got like a treat for the kids? No, I never so, even I knew guess, about Peter Rabbit, Rabbit until I saw this movie. Well, when I was a kid, it wasn't just Peter Rabbit. Like every couple months, there'd be like a new promotion, kind of like a Happy Meal toy. But if you fill up, a, if you fill the tank in, all the way to the top, you would like for there was like action figures one time, there was like GoBots one time, and one time was these Beatrix Potter books. What? Yeah, no, it was incredible. What kind of gas? These are great gas stations. Yeah, it was it was at the the Texaco, and I don't know. I, was just, I, I used to so, loi- I used to loiter outside my gas stations and asking people for like dimes and nickels so I could buy cream soda. Oh, cream soda is the best pop. Yeah, because I learned if I asked for more, they wouldn't give it to me. But if I said I needed a dime, people would most of the time give it to me. <laughs> no one's gonna give you a dollar, but ten guys will give you a dime. Yeah, exactly, and I could I could get a cream soda pretty quick. <laughs> so so, anyways, my wife was very like beloved to these books. And she gets very – like she's the, the quintessential like, oh, the movie is different from the books. I don't like it. Like she loves the Laurel Ingalls Wilder books. So I got her um, like the box set of Little House in the Prairie and she doesn't have any time for the show. She's like, it's not – it's different from the books. So I, don't, I don't love it. And so when we sat down to watch this movie, I was on edge because I was like, I don't, I don't want to hear how it's different than the book. And you know that – you know in the modern era of like animated movies, they're going to take liberties with it. Oh yeah. But it was done in her words was it was done with the same heart and the same characters as the books. It wasn't a retelling of that story. It was a continuation. Um, but the characters were so spot on that she just fell in love with it right away. And and I think that's at the core of this movie, this bananas off the wall slapstick rabbit movie like every one of these characters is so rich, like you were saying, they're just like there's so much heart to it that you can't not fall in love with the whole rabbit family. I now I want to ask what you think. Are you? I like Peter Rabbit. Now I think James Corden's maybe one of the few people that could have pulled this character off because he is a turd and he, he is selfish and he does kind of not listen and he takes charge. And he's, he's a narcissist to the core. Yeah, exactly. And so, but we were talking about this other day on Cap, on our Captain Ron podcast, episode 175. Kurt Russell's the only one that could have made Ron not seem like a lecherous right. scuzz bucket. And I think Corden, right. the way he plays off this dialogue, you know, you don't, you, it works. It works the way he well, is. And I think the way he does the dialogue, I, I like, I said to Heather, it's kind of like, Almost like 1984 doublespeak, where everything he says is actually like two sentences. Yeah. Because yep. he'll be like, sorry that, you know, our, our mom and dad lost. And he has this heartfelt moment where he's like, yeah, our mom and dad died and we're really like beat up about it. Not so much you because you're a cousin. And so he like <laughs> tears down, you know, the cousin and like lets them know that that's you are not to be as sad as we are. But this is a very sad emotional moment. So he has this. It's like sarcasm wrapped in heart. And he got and he, that jacket back. For his his cousin, and then they're like, yeah, but you wear brown on brown. It's weird. 
So my big thing when I watch a movie, um, and I don't know if you have like, I think it's, I think we all have checklists in our mind when we watch a movie and I don't think it's like a, a conscious thing, but subconscious we have a checklist and over watching so many have kind of, but one of the first things I look for is like, what are the rules of the universe? Mm-hmm. And so like I'll, I'll buy Star Wars where you go to space and you talk to Chewbacca and Han can understand what he's saying. Like if that's, if that's the rules, I, I'm in, I get it. If a movie is set in like my world, I, okay, I, I get those, I get those, those rules. Like that's okay. Um, I didn't understand <laughs> to this moment the rules of this movie. Yeah. The, I, I, so bones don't break. Nope. Uh, um, animals can he, humans can understand animals if their heart is open, right? Or if they're really angry enough at the rabbits. Yeah. Like, but again, I was like, do they see the coats? Like, and, and then, but they address that. They're like, <laughs> Mr. McGregor Jr. He says they're wearing coats. Why have we never mentioned <laughs> that they're wearing coats? And <sighs> I, I think it's just it just beautifully sidesteps. The, the logic factor well, and even, just as we're yeah. going to go on the story, just get on board. And I think the last movie that did it that I thought was quite cute was Looper when Bruce Willis is sitting <laughs> at, at, a, at a restaurant table with um, Jason uh, with, with Gordon Levitt there with his face makeup on. And he's like, well, wouldn't the time? And he says, I'm not going to sit here and go over the rules of time travel with you. Let's just go. Yeah, get over it yourself. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, he was, he was like, yeah, look, uh, don't worry. It's a, it's a, it's a movie. We're not going to explain the rules to you. And I was like, I kind of, I kind of love that. But I, in this movie, I was like, I don't, I don't get the rules. And for the first time, I didn't care. And and also, I mean, and Looper, like you said, it just works. Listen, yep. we figured it out. You don't need to hear it. And yeah, this movie, I mean, this is, you, you open up with Sam Neill and he's eating snacks and he's scraping walls with asbestos and he's drinking water out of a bird feeder for roughly seventy some years. Right. People don't make human decisions. Like Rose Byrne, she's one of my heroes. I think she's great in Sunshine, 28 Weeks Later, Neighbors. I think she's getting into the Greek. She's hilarious. But in this movie, she's not She's not all there. Is she? Is Rose Byrne no. all? No. Okay, good. No. Okay. But she's there she in the, in the universe. Be. In this universe, she's there. But well, I also well, like – yeah, sorry. Go for it. Well, I was going to say like – she gets so angry at McGregor Jr. when he's like, no, Peter Rabbit, like he blew up the tree with the detonator. No, that's a sentence that in this world someone <laughs> says to somebody else. And she says, how could he push a detonator with his paw? But he's doing, he's wearing a coat with buttons on it. Yep. That he clearly does the buttons up. So it's like, where does the, the it's just, the, the, the right and wrong logic goes out of the way so you can tell this like heartfelt story with these characters and they can interact the way they do with it. It's just every line in the movie is a joke. It's like I, I, my kids watch it all the time, so I'm, I'm constantly rewatching it. And I'm like, I'm still picking up stuff I didn't get the first couple times through because it's so fast. The, the humor just comes at you like a freight train. The director, Will Glut, Gluck. He also did, uh, you know, Easy A, Friends with Benefits. He actually worked close with the Potter uh, family, I guess, and okay. this was very uh, supervised by him, by them. So I guess that's kind of why maybe your wife liked it. But also the point, I guess, what I was trying to get at is he, in, a, in an interview, he said, if you watch this movie close, each of the three sisters voiced by, this is a coup, by the way, Margot Robbie, Daisy Ridley, and Elizabeth Debicki. 
Like, that's a baller squad of sisters. <laughs> Voiced by them. And they're great, by the way. I love all the voices in this. Margot Robbie blew me away in this oh, movie. With the lisp? Oh, so good. I think Daisy Ridley. Just her voice. She is, like, the best voice. She just made me so happy. And then Debicki's funny as well. And But he said, if you watch them at all times, Peter Rabbit's up front. But in the background, they're doing something. At all yep. times, when you watch this movie, all the characters in the background are doing their own thing. He's like, because that's what three sisters would do. So this movie yeah. is so loaded. I mean, I missed, I don't know how I missed this the first three times, but there's a rooster in this movie. That oh, he's my favorite part. I don't even know, I don't even know where this came from. I, I don't, I don't know why I missed it, but there's a scene in this movie where this rooster starts talking. And what does it say? This, ro oh man, what is the, what, do you know what the rooster well, said? Like, I have the whole like, thing written the, down. He's like, the sun came up again. I can't <laughs> believe the sun. And he's like. And I think what he's doing oh. is like when you hear a rooster crowing, that's what's actually going on in Rooster Talk is they just they can't believe the event of the sun rising up <laughs> happened again. Like we're so lucky to have the sun up again. And then he says, then, yeah, he says, no way the sun came up again. If I'd known this would have happened, certainly wouldn't have fertilized all those eggs. Now I have to stick around and be present and involved. Exactly. So he's mad exactly. that he has to stay around and raise some some chickadees. But but then at the end, he's like, you're the best thing to happen in my life. Like, he really goes on an emotional journey, this rooster does. <laughs> and then I didn't notice how adorable the larger bunny was. I forget the name of the, the cousin bunny. Yeah, he's well, – I am I forget his name right now. When he but, is uh, running I, – I I, I'll pull it up. When he's running, it, it's just adorable. <laughs> when I watch it for the third time, I'm like, I love this little guy. And this yeah, movie, no, by the way, it made $325 million on a $50 million budget. Really? It was only $50 million, eh? Yeah, and I mean, because they filmed a lot. You know, they went over to Australia to film. That's probably how they got Sam Neill. I think he's New Zealand, though. But uh, they, they, yeah, they went over there, and it's mostly just CGI because they filmed... Oh, uh, Benjamin, Ben. Benjamin, yes. Is the thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, $50 million, 325 So th there is a lot of smarts behind this movie. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and so they've already greenlit a sequel for 2020. I mean, that's smart. Capitalize on that on that money. Oh, huge, huge money. Um. But no, the other thing about the Peter and Benjamin relationship, like, like there's these these moments he has with everybody. So the whole thing about like you're a bad influence on me and you're a follower and like, I don't, but I always want to follow you and this thing that's like, and then they have this side British adventure, like sightseeing adventure at the end where it's like, <laughs> yeah. like a buddy movie for a second. He, they've really just again given Peter Rabbit, and again it's it's a rabbit. It's a CG rabbit that we're talking about, but they've given him these like moments with every character in the movie, right? And even when he like apologizes to the humans with like the head resting thing, you're like, this is bananas. However, it's also the most endearing thing I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I do have to say, it has the best salad dressing gag of 2018. <laughs> Just keep putting it on the side. <laughs> it's yeah, so, so much to drink at once. Yeah, the rabbit's like, yeah, I keep getting away. He's like, well, the, the trick is the dressing. And then the, does the rabbit not understand the stuff on the side is meant to be poured on? So he just drinks it all at once, like a yeah, shot. Yeah, he just downs the whole bottle. He, he just goes for it. He thinks it's like a whiskey shot, and he just or any shot. He just downs yeah. it. Also, I think my favorite non-rabbit character, aside from the rooster, was that deer. Oh. <laughs> Headlights. <laughs> he just like, uh, and it's perfect. 
And then, but they're all working to get her from leaving. And then he's like in the middle of the day and they're like, the lights aren't even on. Like it's every, everything is there for a reason. I said um, a number of times when I talk about Rocky Balboa, that franchise is my favorite franchise. Um, but everything Stallone says is Rocky. He says for a reason, there's no wasted lines. Everything is like profound in like his Rocky kind of way of being profound, or it comes back and ties into something later on. And I feel like that's this movie. Like everything happened and it ties back in later, either for, for a joke. Like there's no wasted dialogue in this movie whatsoever. None. And the, even the Fox in the beginning. Yes. Now I do want to say we're, if you've this movie, I don't, we don't, I guess we don't need to go ABC, but at the end, so Rose Byrne is going to move out, never paint again because Peter Rabbit and Donald Gleason were fighting for her. They blew up a tree, yada, yada, yada. He moved back to London to work at Harrods. She's bummed out, so she's going to move because she has, a, she has right. a beautiful place in the country. I don't know where she's moving to. Beautiful. I don't know God. how she affords that place or what she does. Beautiful. God. But the weird thing about her, too, is her art is horrible, but some of her art is beautiful. But her bad yeah. art is good, and her good art is bad. Right, they're like, no one wants a picture of these silly rabbits, and it's like, you're <laughs> amazing painting. Yeah, yeah uh, but at the end when the deer is blocking the taxi cab, I love the taxi driver. Uh, there's oh, a scene she, where wasn't she great. The scene where the sisters shove some carrots in the tailpipe and it backfires the car, so they're they're delayed. And Rose Burns yeah. like, who would do this? The taxi driver just goes, I have many enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to. And at the end. All that stuff goes down. The taxi driver goes, yeah, it's a lot to process. Like, she's there dropping lines. Right? I want to see the spinoff Sean and Hobbs style movie about her, but it's just like British taxi driver. Yeah. <laughs> I have many enemies. Right? And just like, how did she get those enemies? How did she get to that place? And do it kind of like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are missing, where it's like it, it happens at the same time as Peter Rabbit. So, like, you entwine those scenes are still there, but it's like what happens when... I think it'd be great. I, I want three movies, right? There's three movies I want in this movie. All right. I want a movie of how the three bunny sisters got the wheelbarrow up those stairs. <laughs> they couldn't have picked it up, so they must have used a lever system silently in his – a pulley and lever system in his house to do that. And they laid down, uh, like, pumpkins and uh, vegetables perfectly – to turn him every step of the way down that. these yeah. Like our Encino Man pod, which you'll hear, which we said Polly Shore is an engineering savant. <laughs> he's, I, he's a savant in many ways. In we did, but, no, but in that movie, he and uh, Sean Astin pull a 1,000-pound ice block out of a large hole via a swing set, then get it into a garage on sawhorses, just the two of them, in a couple hours. I mean, that's... You and I would... We could do it, but it would take a long time. And they did and it I in think, no time. I, I think we'd give up after about an hour. Yeah. And they, like, you know what, Mark? I don't know if this is worth I mean, it. They tied in like lawnmowers. And they're engineering. But they this is a movie where I want to see these three bunny sisters in order to hurt Donald after they set up the perfectly executed broomsticks and the traps that got three traps on his butt and his hands. They knew where his hands right. would go. They knew where he would sit. And they knew the math to where he would step to optimize him hitting himself, stepping on broomsticks and whacking himself in the face. I want Which the math behind that. Is a, a tired gag, and it works here. Because I think it works the best when Corden later on goes, that was perfect. The, that, 
how did you do that? Like they 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 riffed on it about how the science was was so beautiful. I firmly believe that Corden stating character, and they just recorded him like goofing off, and a lot of that made the movie. Well, but like that's such a perfect. This, how did you do that? Like I guess that is rift. But see, the thing is, they had to film everything. Right. And then they left Australia. The actors left Australia. Then they had to animate. So they must have just riffed on the situations that were at hand. Yeah, they had to because it's it's so natural. Just how he just goes and goes and goes. Right. Yeah, it's and I'll say this. So slapstick humor has its place. And, you know, and usually, um, you know, kids from 10 to 14, that's where slapstick lands the hardest. But. When he was getting shocked, by like he kept touching the doorknobs oh and just getting blasted across the room, I was I was losing it. Like I I have not laughed that hard in a long time. Just like the impact of it, and then at the end when it brought back and it was like the people that were going to buy the house were getting shocked. I was dying, dying. It was perfect. I think it worked so well because it wasn't grounded in anything in the real world. Uh, he got shot back and no bones broke. He just got blasted back. Like it was like the rabbits knew they wouldn't kill him. Right. Uh, there was nobody in danger here. Now, what do you, th I know this movie was picketed and a lot of people wanted to protest it because of the blackberry allergy. I did get, I have a shellfish allergy and I was annoyed when uh, Peter rabbit was going off on allergies, but a lot of people were mad about playing allergies for fun. But I do love the visual gag of, Donald Gleason falling backwards in a very flexible pose, stabbing himself with an EpiPen and then popping up like a like a zombie or sorcerer. <laughs> right. Now, did they think they were gonna they were gonna kill him? Correct. They yeah. they in that moment, yes. But <laughs> but here's the thing: like, did they want him again, to go in the ice cream truck with lights? I think so. I think they did. Um, I understand that, like. People may be – like people were – again, they're picketing because of a uh, an allergy gag. Um, but like The Office had allergy gags in it and like there's a lot of – if we can't laugh at ourselves, then I think we're taking the world maybe too seriously. Like nobody in this movie was like we should kill people with allergies. Like no one's saying that. Yeah. Like allergies are a very real thing and like I'd say as a society we're pretty progressive right now about like keeping – Public places, peanut free, and like that's part of my job uh, in in my my church and other places we go is like make sure that all the snacks are good and it, and so that's a, it's a very prominent thing. But we have to be able to laugh a little bit at it, right? Like there was a, a shellfish gag, and you're allergic to shellfish in um, uh, Doctor Doolittle, remember? Yep, that was and the '90s though. People don't care then. I I know, <laughs> but I, I I just think we're getting a little bit too sensitive. If we can't like it, allergies are a real thing. My wife has an allergy to to hot peppers, and it's pretty bad. But like we still like in our home, we laugh about it a little bit. The and so we, the apology by the studio was we didn't mean to offend anybody through this purposeful bout of slapstick comedy. <laughs> so right. it was an apology, but they made they were like the guy that's kind of bitter that they have to apologize. Right, and they said, you know, we're sorry that this slapstick comedy offended you, but we should have been more careful. But it's still slapstick. I know yeah, it offended kind of a, you, but it's still slapstick. They just kept. <laughs> it's a bit of a Dwight Schrute apology. Now, there's two other movies I want. Actually, I just added two more. I want to okay. know more about the guy 
who wants to know about the ties. When so Donald gets fired from Harrods. <laughs> he gets fired from Harrods and he throws he trashes the store. He comes back and they're like, "Well, we'll hire you back if you go through a mental health uh, inspection." But you seem pretty good because the guy that yeah. took your job worked one day and he got two ear infections. <laughs> he went back to Ibiza. Uh, but oh so he comes back and this guy goes, "Hey, where are the ties?" And Donald's like, "Go to the second floor." Blah 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 blah. And then his boss goes, "Do you work here?" And then the guy looks at him. So his boss asks Donald, "Are you back? Are you, do you work here now?" The guy looks at yeah. him and goes, "Do you work here?" And then Donald's like, doesn't say anything. The guy goes, "Do." You? <laughs> and then Donald's still thinking, saying nothing. And again, the guy goes, "Do you?" I mean, that's a good bit. If you're just gonna watch it's... this movie, go to like the one hour mark and just watch this really strange interaction from this guy who wants a tie. Yeah, it it was the perfect combination of like funny, heartfelt, and like quirky. Like it was this it wasn't humor you usually see. No. <laughs> Do you? And then just the fact that he kept going back to the well. And then also, I wanna know how Donald learned to ri- uh, drive boats motorcycles <laughs> airplanes and i want to know when they're playing that scrabble banana game why the I, wor- so so rose burns that game oh see i think i had it too but i've never played it but rose burns playing glow she's spelling out glow sun potter fiddle openness dance donald is spelling out mum uh mummy alone pain help broken <laughs> bear numb Lost and abandoned. <laughs> he has issues. It's amazing. So he knows um, how to fly airplanes, motorcycles, boats. He wipes out on a bicycle, which is part of the which fits with his world because it's insane. Right. And he also has extreme family issues that manifest themselves frequently, which he has not dealt with. Absolutely. No. So <laughs> I love. I love in gags like the scrap like this the, the banana split game they're playing um which is a great game um but again her having potter and hers and then him having all like i love those things my favorite scrabble gag was the anti-gag in superman returns where he's like crash landing and then his house like goes all shaky and the scrabble board starts shaking and it was in the trailer and everybody's like what's the what's on the scrabble board and there wasn't one reference on the Scrabble board whatsoever. Brian Singer was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to put random words there. And people were like diving into it. And it's like, oh, it's got to tell us something about. No, it didn't. Not, not a thing. Not, not a thing was foreshadowed there. It was I'll, brilliant. I'm going to do that in all my movies. I want to really, I, I know they mess with people in the Avengers, but I want to release a trailer where people, 20 second trailer and people do one hour think pieces on what everything means. And it just means nothing. Right. Why was there a hot fudge Sunday? in thanos's hand does that mean he's right. on earth in the 1950s like no man thanos blows hot fudge sundays oh uh, it's <laughs> i want to i want to do a podcast where we just review the guys that tear apart the uh avengers trailers but after the movie comes out where it's like all their wild outrageous theories are just blown out of the water <laughs> just just do a podcast re- podcast about the bad predictions for avengers movies yeah, because they take it so seriously. They're like, in this scene, there's a picture of Scott Lang. However, I feel that it's CG'd in there, and actually, if Scott Lang will be part of the off, off, off-site, you know, out-of-frame crew that's still there. And I'm like, it seems like a long – like, just use another shot. Like, <laughs> it seems like we're, we're – the Marvel movies have really become their own thing. Yeah. 
that's like that, more than cinema right now. That's why I love Unbreakable. You've seen Unbreakable, right? I love it. A guy gets into an accident, realizes he has powers, then realizes that the supervillain was destroying things to see if people would survive. It's so straightforward. Yeah. That it's there's I don't even think there's a is there a twist? There's no twist in Unbreakable, is there? Well, I think the twist is that he is a superhero, right? I think that's that's the twist Got is it. that he accepts it. Yeah, but it's the whole time you're thinking he's crazy. You, you, the whole movie you're thinking that Glass is crazy. Yeah, I, I, but then, that's not even that's not. not too much of an aha, right? It's a twist. Not but for it's M not, Night. It's not like a chub. Yeah, yeah. On, on the M Night scale of stolen carrots, that's a one. That's a one exactly. Yeah. But uh, I mean, exactly. this this movie though, I, and I'm so glad. How did we discuss? We, I just brought this up. And then you said you want. Oh, I think one day you asked me very seriously, Mark. How do you feel about? <laughs> And I'm like, oh no, what's going on? Uh, then you, what do you feel about Peter Rabbit? And I'm like, oh, I love yeah. Peter Rabbit. <laughs> no, it's, it's so. Here's what I'll say, and this, as a dad, it's rare. Now I know that Toy Story and Shrek changed the game, where it was like we're gonna make movies enjoyable for both parents and kids on different levels at the same time, and I and I get that, but as a dad. It's harder than you'd think to be able to find a movie you'll put on and the whole family will actually enjoy it. Got it. To sit down and just like digest it and, and really – and I'd say there's a handful that my my family has. So like the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, like that's – those movies are near perfect. I watched um, the third one and it is brilliant. It's brilliant. They're, they're brilliant. Have, did um, you watch the third one yet? Not yet. I'm taking my kids this week. It's a surprise. Now, oh, no. A quick question for you. And I'm derailing our podcast and I'm derailing your thought, but I'm going to do it because this is the movie Films and Flips I'm, podcast. I'm sticking with my thought. Now, yep. you're in a theater, right? And mm. it's How to Train Your Dragon 3. So all the kids making noise, you're totally fine with because kids make noise in theaters. That's what they do. It's part of the fun watching a kids' movies. They're yelling and they're having fun. However, exactly. there was a woman next to me who was eating large popcorn, was eating, okay. eating one crunchy kernel at a time with her mouth open. Oof. She snapped it and went, and then, now, after about 30 minutes of me almost pulling my hair out, I just kind of said, hey, can you keep it down a little bit? Is that okay theater etiquette to ask somebody not I, to eat I one? I think so. And then she I, got, I, like, I, kind of offended. She's like, I didn't think I was making noise, and she threw the popcorn away to the side and got angry at me. And then I went and got popcorn. That probably annoyed her more. But, but her choice to get angry is not affected on you speaking your truth. Yeah, I just couldn't listen. I I didn't know if I was becoming too grumpy. Like, I'm this 36-year-old dude sitting in the theater of Todd Trainer Dragon 3 telling a woman to not chew popcorn so loudly. No, I don't think you're being grumpy. I think that with what we pay for movie tickets these days, I want to enjoy the experience. Yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't do it. I was sitting there. I, I missed the – you know, I couldn't focus. But, yeah, back back to your point. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, those movies are great. Um, like, The Iron Giant is one that is, oh, yeah. like, near perfect. And the whole family, like, gets together and watches that. Um so Peter Rabbit, like when we watched it and I was like, not, not only is this like watchable. So I think like, you know, the, the brony phenomenon. Yeah. I think that stems because there's so much tripe in girls television that when my little pony came out, dads around the world were like, I can watch this with my daughter and not go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, I can kind of get into it, like, and I think they're like, oh, that then there's this like affection for a, a show that they could enjoy with their daughter. Um, but Peter Rabbit, I felt was, it wasn't like funny on two levels. It was just like perfect, enjoyable. We all laughed at the same jokes. We all laughed at the same circumstances. We all like, 
had heartfelt moments, the same moments. Like it, it, it wasn't doing the, the toy story thing where it was like, we're going to make double entendre jokes, but also be a kid's movie. It was just a straight up right down the middle. Perfect movie. And the soundtrack even as well. So you have Len steal my sunshine from the nineties, the go soundtrack. We probably remember that. And then they had Mike Shinoda come back, you know, 10% fame, 20. He recorded new lyrics for this, for Will Gluck. Uh, You had Vampire Weekend doing songs. Portugal the Man. The soundtrack was so poppy and so eclectic. I I loved it. There's old songs. There's new songs. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, so we we, uh, downloaded the the, uh, soundtrack. I put it onto a CD. We listen to it in the car all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, a, I kind of want that. It sounds fun. I've been listening to new. I got Muse tickets, so we've been listening to the latest album, getting caught up on okay. the Muse stuff. But maybe I'll maybe I'll start jamming out to that when I'm when I'm demused. So when my when my family's in the car, we listen to the Peter Rabbit soundtrack, and then when it's just my daughter and I, we drive around dramatically listening to the Doctor Who soundtrack. <laughs> it was Mama Mia too yeah. for Megan and I for a while. Me- Megan had that soundtrack in her car, so we were jamming out to ABBA as sung so, by actors for a long time. When I first got married, I had a 1993 Chevrolet Blazer, Ooh. and we went on this road trip um, up to northern Ontario, and it was like a 27-hour drive, And but it was like 2002, but we didn't have a CD player in the car. We just had a tape player, and so we stopped at this little variety store, and they had tapes for sale, and I was like, yeah, we, hate, we need to buy a tape and listen to tapes on our way up there, so we, bought a, we just bought whatever tapes they had because they were like 99 cents. So the the first tape we put in was John Mellencamp's Greatest Hits. <laughs> nice. That got stuck in there for three years. Ooh, wild Nights. Wild Nights. But all I could listen to for three years was the best of John Cougar Mellencamp. I had Fog Hat Live in my oh. ni- 98 Ford Ranger cassette player nice. for years. That's fantastic. And I found that at a gas station. Yeah, that's see, we we lived the same life, just the American and Canadian version of it. I'm gonna hijack this again. I do it. Fog Hat Slow Ride is a song that a lot of people know me for. I've written data articles about it on movies, films, and flicks. I mean, my buddy D- DJ got me a hat that said uh, "Fog" on it, like a trucker oh. hat that said "Fog." I mean, everywhere. Whenever people hear Fog Hat, they send me pictures of their satellite radio with fog hat or fog hats on a show. They'll send me the show with fog hat. Um, Amazing. Now, when I listen to slow ride, it's, I'm a different, it's so long that I feel like a different person after it's done. So I love the idea of fog hat, but listening to the entire, you know, boogie motel, all their kind of, you know, fool for the city albums, but listening to slow ride all the way through in a live concert is painful. I just got to get that out in the world. I got to get that off my chest. And I want to say, I would say Slow Ride is like an anomaly for, for Foghat. It doesn't sound like the rest of their songs. No, it doesn't. They're like, you know, full for the city. Like they're much more, you know, boogie motel. They're, yeah, they're, but they're like a blues-based yep. pop band. And then Foghat just kind of, or not Foghat, but Slow Ride comes out of nowhere and it's this whole other thing. Yeah, like, you know, like, like, like I just want to make love to you, like the bluesy. Yeah, very much yeah. so. Then then I just think Foghead hits so hard in the beginning. And then by the fourth minute of the third guitar solo, you just don't want any more of it. You don't. And um, that's coming from a guitar player. 
<laughs> have you ever tried? Have you? Did you fall? Have you ever fallen asleep soloing to slow ride? Um, I haven't. But when I was in high school, my high school um, <laughs> like metal band, we uh, we covered slow ride, oh and uh, we only did we only did one solo half as long. We like we we were like let's not let's not do this. You did the radio edit. We did the radio edit. We saved our solos for um, Freebird. Yeah, <laughs> you can't cut Freebird. No, that Freebird works at 14 minutes long. It's not boring. It never gets boring. I love Freebird in Elizabethtown. Everyone gives that movie stick, but I love that Freebird performance at the end. Yes, absolutely. Now, I think I would rather watch this 90-minute movie than listen to Slow Ride live. So children and adults watch movies differently. Yeah. And so... I'm I'm much like yourself. I'll watch a movie multiple times, um, but kids can watch movies over and over and over and over and over again, no problem. And so, after Christmas, my, my so my son bought my daughter Peter Rabbit for Christmas. Aww. The week between Christmas and New Year's, I think they watched it eight nine times. Wow, I could do never, it. Never, never got not funny. I mean, because there's so much to it. You know what I've found is that my favorite movies to rewatch, right? Uh, or my, my favorite movies in general, Royal Tenenbaums. There's so much rich, richness in the production design. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. There is yeah. so much to Hot Fuzz. You almost need to watch it ten times to right. get everything. Uh, actually, w- w- that movie, uh, Once, but just the music. So you can just play that. You can just put it on just to listen to the music. But some of my favorite, yeah. like Evolution, I love the relationship between Orlando Jones and Duchovny. And I always find new facets to that. Night's Evolution Tale. was... One of the first three DVDs I bought. No, that's so, dude. I love that movie. Sean William Scott, Orlando Jones, and Duchovny hanging out, and Julianne Moore There's falling all over the place. I love it. So much going on. I mean, I, Orlando Jones was underrated back in the day, but this one, dude. There's just so like there's these scenes where we haven't tackled eighty percent of the stuff I have notes on, but <laughs> there's the stuff that I was falling off. I mean, I guess we can talk about it in, in the next break. But there's a scene in this movie where Donald Gleason. I know he has a name, Tom. But I keep saying Donald. He's coming in That's the cool. house, and there is the the what is it like the badger? Yes. Yeah. And so the badger, everyone's hiding, but the badger's standing on top of a, a table, and and Peter Rabbit's going, "Now you're a tablecloth." And then yeah. he poses now another you're, way. Now you're a candelier. Yeah, a candelier. And then and then he puts a uh, he somehow. This is what I was, I'm amazed about. This badger puts a lampshade over his head and puts a light in his mouth, and the light works. Again, I don't know the rules and I don't care. Yeah, the so a badger can conduct electricity in this world. So but I have I have, I have <laughs> on more than one occasion walked into my living room with my daughter in a ball on the table saying to me, I'm a lazy Susan. Oh yeah, lazy Susan. Yeah, at the end, I'm a lazy Susan. <laughs> and he's spinning. It's amazing. <laughs> and he conduct any can conduct electricity. Yeah, no, 100%. He's got the badger power. All right, so how, hey, listen, we got a lot more to talk about. Let's take a break, and we come back, we'll talk more Peter Rabbit, and we're going to put together our all-animated farm attack squad when we get back. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome back to Movies, Films, and Flicks. And normally after the first 40 minutes, I'm, I'm pretty much peaked as to what I'm going to talk about with these movies. But I think the stuff that we've talked about, I I'm not, I haven't gone through 80% of what I've written down. I mean, there are scenes in this movie where carrots are thrown as projectiles and they stick in ceilings. There is a scene where I believe it's two rabbits with mice on their back. And yeah. these mice are jousting with carrots. <laughs> there is a, in the beginning scene... There's a frog that I don't think we ever see again, but I love. Oh. And there is a frog who is fishing. And it made yeah. me so happy to just watch a frog just go, there's easy ways to do things. And what is this frog going to eat? Do frogs eat large fish? Um, I think this frog does. So he's yeah. he has his own book, eh? <laughs> oh, does he? Oh, okay. Yeah, The Tale of Mr. Jeremy Fisher. Oh. He's Jeremy yeah, so Fisher? He, he that, that frog was Jeremy Fisher. Oh, so he fishes? Uh, yes, he does. Wow. Uh, and so... he was he was like a very specific character that Beatrix Potter wrote. Um almost as almost as big a deal as Peter Rabbit. Oh, see, I knew I liked him because they focused on him. I never saw him again. I'm like, I miss this frog. I love this so frog. I, I think he's gonna be a major player in a sequel. I hope so, because I, I love a frog who takes fishing poles out and fishes. And my wife as like a potter file. Like was like, there's the fisherman. Like she just like lost it. Benjamin Fisher, or Jeremy Fisher. She was like, she freaked out when she saw him because she was like, this is gonna be a good movie because there was Jeremy Fisher. Was there any friction between Potter files and Harry Potter fans as to what a Potter fan is? Um, I don't think. Here, here's where I'm going down with this. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a statement here, and I'm not sure if we <laughs> get. I don't think. Harry Potter fans are aware of Beatrix Potter fans. And I don't think Beatrix Potter fans think Harry Potter is literature. I really think they're two separate entities completely. So they would have like a news team Anchorman fight. Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) That is a, a movie we need to make called Potter World. Oh, and they just fight? They just – well, it's – what it would be is the, – the premise of the movie would be um, – and, and we would both star in it – is we would be <laughs> – And be associate producers. Right. We would be entrepreneurs um, that met uh, at a pottery class. And so we want to open up our own pottery store. But to generate the money for that, we need to run a pottery convention first. And then we'll take the, pre- the proceeds from the Pottery Convention to open our own store. So we call it Potter World. And then we don't get anybody interested in pottery at all. Yeah, our all first one is a dud, right? It's, well, all that show up is a bunch of Harry Potter fans and a bunch of Beatrix Potter fans. And so then the movie is us trying to like run around kind of like Abbott and Costello style and fix up and, and make 
the convention seem like it's like we're, we're drawing lightning bolts on pots and we're like putting rabbits on like we're just trying to make it seem like it's, it's their money's worth trying to keep their money the whole time so it's like clerks or an empire records yes it's exactly what it's like but it's our day just selling pots to harry potter and beatrice potter fans right and there will be a riot when the two meet and they say like there comes a moment where you're like the get the, the two gangs like converge on us and they're like is this a harry potter or beatrix potter situation and then we have to make a choice it's a it's a real sophie's choice at that point and then uh daniel rad sophie's choice kramer versus kramer uh and then uh daniel radcliffe busts in right he does bust in and kills it yeah. i wonder if there's any who would be a no, good wait. crossover we, actor you would really think that we would so you think that we would pick a side? Yeah, I, do. I think we would do the classic comedy thing where you say Harry Potter and I say Beast Potter at the same time. Yeah. You know, you know, like, where are you guys going? Uptown, downtown, like that kind of thing where you get caught in the lie. And yeah. that would be the moment. But I wonder if there's a crossover actor who would be there just as a fluke, but would have his foot both in the Beatrix Potter world and the Harry Potter world. All right, so I know that Rose Byrne and Donald, they were both in the Star Wars world, which doesn't help us. And so is James Corden. He's in the new Star... Oh, well, no. And Daisy Ridley. Da oh, wow. There's a lot of Star Warsers in this. Yes. Now, I'm looking at some of the voices here. Uh, Sam Neill. What, what Sam Neill wasn't in. Sia. What, a, what about... Because um, there was that Miss Potter movie with Renee Zellweger. Oh, my Who's goodness. that? Uh, do you want me to look that up real quick? I'll, I'll look up Miss Potter. You stay on. You stay on. <laughs> I, I'm looking up Colin Moody right now. So Colin Moody, I'm seeing if he. I mean, uh, he was in Chronicles of Narnia. That doesn't help us any. Nope. So no. Ewan McGregor was in, um, Miss Potter. But then he was in Star Wars. Right. Has he been Emily, in a Emily Watson? Has he been in a movie with any? Uh, people, all right, all right, we, we we can do this. We're doing it. We're not we're not quitting here. No. So, James Corden was in Doctor Who. That doesn't help Wait, us. What if you and McGregor and Wait, Daisy Donald Ridley... Gleason was in Harry Potter? Was he? Yeah, he was one of the uh, redheads. He was one Perfect. of the Weasleys. Perfect. So he shows up Just randomly trying to buy by pots. mistake. Right. And then both groups think he's there to sign autographs. And then so he's just signing pots. Right. So then we lie. Well, like, listen, dude, we're just trying to sell pots, but all these people are here and they're going to tear us to shreds. So we're not like asking you to like, just please save our lives because these they're going to crash our pots and our fortunes right. in it. Because throwing and it he's can, like, well, can I charge? We're like, yeah, you can charge whatever you want. So he's going to make some money at it. Yeah, and then be like, hey, can we keep a cut? Like, we'll sell the pots. You'll sell the autographs for ten bucks a pop to sign. Twenty bucks a pop. You get the right. twenty bucks, and then we sell the pots. So we're right. not taking profit from each other. Like it's a symbiotic, like it's like Venom and oh, Tom Hardy. It's like Venom, Tom Hardy. You can listen to that podcast. It's very good. Uh, it's episode 170 or 171 or 172, one of those. So we get, I can't believe, I bet people are yelling. So we get Donald Gleason. He's signing <laughs> pots. He is signing pots. And we're selling yeah. these pots and he's signing. And so you and I are doing art on them for whatever they want. And then they bring right. it up and because we're that good. 
and oh, clearly. and we got and we got wheels pumping. We have and now we're in a convention center, and right. as you know, convention center with pipes and drapes and unions. Uh, I think the union system's pretty strong in Canada, correct? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, there's you can't really bring in friends to set up, so we're paying the union to set this up. We have electricity, we have vendors. I mean, you we, and I... We, we've put ourselves financially on the line to make this work. We made a very bad decision dumping about 75000 into this. Right. Plus $100,000 of marketing. So hundred k into Potter World. And somehow you and I, between just you and I, we have made easily 14,000 pots. Yes. Along with other pot vendors. Correct? Right. We opened it We opened it to other pot vendors. Yeah, and now we charge them for space. That we, that we all space. know from class. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, so we didn't charge them. We only got like probably 20 bucks from them right. for their space. Right. All right. So we're hoping on tickets, you know, pot tickets, but they can't be expensive. So we're charging 15 bucks for tickets, but word gets out. We sell out, but there's no and, one. And we don't understand why we're like, we, oh, this ticket sales are going so great. <laughs> we, you know, people are like, Hey, when, when's the, the panels? I'm like, Oh, well, we got uh pottery at 11. Then we have pots and more like all of our panels sound like Harry Potter or Beatrix Potter. How to right. be a potter. Like cauldrons, making cauldrons. Yeah. Or like, you know, I like how to be a potter. Oh, Beatrix Potter. Yes. Um, so everyone's got, or we have a, a, you know, just. The art of potter. Yes. Oh, you know, yeah, the art of potter. How to how to potter. We just had to have that. How to yeah. write a potter. Uh, but we we're could talking have about. have a guy with a huge beard who's really good at making pots and he can call himself Harry Potter. Yep. We have Harry Potter. We have Harry Potters here. How to write a Potter script, but basically what we're saying is how to write a pottery, you know, book. proposal or book, how to write a Potter book, but it's just about pottery. And so we have a local expert there who's taking really nice photos and we have a local journalist who's really explaining how to caption those photos. So, and then at three o'clock we have, um, a Potter reading, but what it is, it's an old timey Sioux Slayer that smashes a pot and tells your fortune. Yeah. Mini pots. You can buy them for five bucks and he smushes them. And we right. recycle those, of course. So right. the thing is, everything that we're doing can tie into pot. So people are sitting into how to write a Potter book. Right. Right. But the advice they're giving is very good. Uh, here's the photos. Here's what. You, here's the three act structure. This is what you should do tomorrow. So these kids are learning about. They could take these skills to write a Potter book, even though we're talking about pottery, and we're putting. Right. You get the you get the smart decision to put little sticky notes inside the mini pots that are being smashed about Harry Potter or Beatrix Potter. On the fly, we're just like as they're smashing them, I'm writing. Yeah, you're just there. You have a sharpie. You have three sharpies behind your ears. Well, I mean, we make yeah, brown brown on brown can work. Yeah, and then at the end of the night, since we were selling pottery and we went a hundred grand in debt, and we paid Donald handsomely, we leave <laughs> with. Eight bucks in our pocket, enough to go yeah. to the Wayne Gretzky's bar and, and get a beer to celebrate. That's right, we did it. We and and we're not happy. <laughs> like we didn't we didn't make money, but we survived. Yep. Right. That that becomes that becomes the the thing. Survive. And then the place come back. They're like, oh, we can't wait to see you next year. We're thinking attendance is going to be huge. So big things are coming for us. Right. And there'll be an end credit scene. One year just later. like. Like one little kid picking up a pot, and like then he smiles, like I'm gonna be the next big potter. <laughs> like in Last Jedi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, this pottery movie is brilliant. 
Oh no, I think it's I think it's gonna happen. I mean, we just explained an entire film. No, and and I'd say flawless, <laughs> flawless writing. I mean, like it makes sense. Yeah, it can, like, like it's just um, goofy enough to work, right? But like, remember, yeah. remember when Wizard World, where I met you, happened? There was also a Harry Potter convention down the road. No, yes, there was like a, a March because of the March break thing. And it was called the Wizarding World. It was like an off-brand Harry Potter thing. So people kept coming to Wizard World with the wrong <laughs> tickets. Oh goodness! So I remember that was like one of our jobs was like stand by the door and make sure that if if people have the wrong tickets, then tell them to get out of line because this is not where they need to be. And we just had a bunch of Buffy people there. Yeah, we just had we had all all kinds of porkins walking around. <laughs> no, the Buffy cast, right? We didn't have yeah. We had Ray Park. He came late. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but then he did some cool stuff with those kids that waited for him. Yeah, he's. I mean, and, he's uh, good to his fans. Yeah, and also um, uh, Anakin was there. Young Anakin, Jake. Oh yeah, Jake Lloyd. Yeah, he was there. And Looking young like pirate. And young Boba, right? Right. Yeah, young Boba Fett was there. Yeah. And uh, Iron Sheik was there, and he was freaking me out. <laughs> I still have the picture was, with you and John where we're holding green lantern rings. Yeah, that was that was the first time I plunged in and dressed up as something. Yeah, you were you were green you were the the core you were the green lantern green Lan core. Yep. Nice. We did we did all that. That's back in the day. But anyways, yeah, so, so the Harry Potter to... thing could happen. <laughs> oh, we, we could do we could write the script. It's already written actually, and yeah. we're already associate producers. Hundred percent. Nobody can even make a, a movie about us. A failed convention of any kind without giving us a little cut. It's, <laughs> it's your copyright, Mark and Adam, right now. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna record this, put it on a CD, and send it to myself in a sealed envelope. Right, hundred percent. That's what that's, you, yeah. That's what you do with uh, how to copyright your music. If any kids are listening and want to <laughs> copyright music in the '90s, just print it off and mail it to yourself. I mean, it still works because it's sealed, right? Yeah, and but you got to be like registered mail. Oh. Okay, so just go to UPS and pay for the registered meal. Yeah, that's right. what you do. Now, back to uh, – I have a couple more things for you for this Peter Rabbit. And well, Gleason and Byrne are adorable together. Adorable. I mean, too adorable. Yeah. There's a scene – so they're coming back. Donald Gleason said, if there's a sequel, I want to do it, but I need to be in more scenes with Rose Byrne. So he right. loves working with her. Well, who wouldn't, though? I mean, just her work. I mean, she's good. Rose Byrne, she's funny. She's serious. She's been in, she's been in some good horror movies, Insidious, 28 Weeks Later. She's been in some good yeah. comedies, Neighbor, Get Him to the Greek. She's amazing. I don't I remember nothing about Get Him to the Greek except for Rose Byrne being awesome. Yeah. Spy, that's one of my favorite comedies. Bridesmaids, just her. Bri like, so is it is it, like, legit for you and I to admit that like I love Bridesmaids. No, what, what's wrong with that? That movie's great. It's just it, I know, but it was just, it's like very much marketed to females. Like, like it's very much like, a, hey, let's go out and, and have a girls' night at the movies. Movie. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, so people, funny. Yeah, people pooping in the streets. Uh, that scene where Rose <laughs> Byrne and Kristen Wiig are one upping each other at the engagement party. It's one of the yes. most cringe. And, and then there's the raccoons eating the cake. Uh, yeah, so, Kristen Wiig is dynamite in everything she does. Now, this is going to sound weird, and I want to ask you if this question sounds good, but I love the movie Spy. Have you seen the movie Spy? Yes. Now, there's a line in this movie where Melissa McCarthy tells Rose Byrne that she looks like a slutty dolphin trainer. 
And <laughs> I want to know if the joke was written and they made the dress or if the dress was made and Melissa McCarthy or Paul, uh, Paul Feig improv that. I know. I think it seems like it seems re- responsive. So you think that it was improv? Yeah, I think it was response to that dress. I kind of want to tweet the director and just say, "Hey, man, what came first, the dress, the or... dolphin, or the joke?" Yeah. <laughs> but she's she's so she's great in this movie. I mean, she's sitting there. There's explosions going on, and she's painting the fight song. And then that Land Rover that Donald drove is a 1969 Series 2A model that has a uh, 2,250cc petrol engine, and it is uh, going for auction for apparently 15,000 euros, which seems like a steal. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to you. Let's sell some pots, and let's buy. I mean, you and I could split this thing just fine. I mean, getting it back and forth would be a beast, but we could do it. Yeah. We could do it. I want this thing. I think we started a GoFundMe account. Yeah, where we fund the the movie Potter World <laughs> with the promise that everybody here's the, here's the promise here's the catch anybody who donates when the movie makes a profit we're gonna buy that Land Rover and then come take them for a ride yeah, anywhere in the world anywhere in the world we'll come we'll drive up there we'll road trip and we'll go get ice cream you and I spend seven years on the road and three million dollars traveling all over the world right. But Potter World's going to make so much money. That's just going to be a drop in the bucket. Now, a, a couple more things. I love the bit in the beginning where Peter Rabbit says that Sam Neill mo- cuts grass angry. <laughs> I mean, that's a good bit. And then you see him drinking out of a bird feeder and doing asbestos and eating cake at the same time. Right? Like, they, they've really... They, and I think that was like, this clearly was not Peter Rabbit's fault. They had to really, they're like, we, we got in trouble for the Blackberry thing. We need to not make our main character a straight-up murderer in the first scene. <laughs> and then I like the scene where they're going into the garden, and Daisy Ridley says, what happens if I lose one of my legs? And then you'll call me Stumpy for the rest of my life. And I just wobble. But this, you know, And then you know, like I, I act like everything's okay, but the scars are on the inside. Yes. And then I love when Peter just goes, it's okay, we're family. You can say what you want. That's a nice touch. So she says some, something really weird, and he's like, yeah, it's family. It's a safe place. No judgment. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, this is a real family movie, right? And even, like, you think, okay, they blew up the burrow, crushed her house. But there's this innate thing where, like, family can really do some nuts things, and, and forgiveness is just, just around the corner. They really let themselves – they forgive each other for a lot. I mean, they really – they know their brother. I think what I like the most is that Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail know that Cottontail. Peter is – full of himself i mean they're extremely talented engineers who can take obstacle courses with wheelbarrows like no so i think they're maniacs in themselves but they also put up with peter because they know he's the oldest and he dealt with that loss really strongly right but even the dynamic of like which girl is really the oldest yeah the 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 family seemed to told all three of them right right i mean man i like and then i love this scene where he's getting fired and they're like, oh, yeah, it's nepotism. And then she's like, this is Great Britain. It's written on our charter. And then he just goes, give me the promotion. Give me the, <laughs> give me the promotion. It's such a weird so, scene. Yeah, my favorite scene of him and Herod's was with the model rocket ship. And he's like, <laughs> it's, not the right, it's not the right angle. 
Yep. And he's like, there'll be a young girl aspiring to be the first woman to walk on the moon. She's going to see this, know it's at the right angle, and be upset. And I was like, that is not a necessary moment, but I'm happy that it made the cut. I mean, it explains his character, right? Yeah. Now, okay, so there's so many th more things. There's a scene where Rose Byrne gives Donald Gleason, uh, what do you call them, binoculars. And she's like, they're for bird watching. He puts binoculars up to, he starts looking, he sees a bird, and he goes, there's one. <laughs> and then he goes, it's down bird. Yeah, and then he goes, it has wings. So this is a guy who's very good. And they shot in Herod's. First movie to ever yeah. shoot in Herod's, and they shot at night. They shot from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. in secret. They shot in Herod's. No movie's ever done. Yeah, no movie's ever done that before. Do you so, think that the Beatrix Potter, do you think that Potter family being involved in this yes. gave this movie some weird clout in England? 780,000%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he sees a bird and he says, it has wings. So does he, this is a man who knows how to fly a plane, ride motorcycles. He He's a very good manager at Harrods of, of an institution in London. Right. And he is surprised that birds have wings. Well, do you think he's just trying to like be like be say something? Like there's a there's a girl here that's pretty. I need to say something, and he, so he's like it has wings. I mean, I guess he's I guess he could be flummoxed, but I, it seemed very earnest to me when he said it. So yeah. I mean, well, I, I love said, what he wrote down in the book. He just wrote down bird. Yeah, at the end <laughs> he's he keeping down, track. And then that book comes back later, and he says pigeon. <laughs> it's all pigeon in London. Pigeon, pigeon. Uh, now. There's another scene where she walks up to him and they're talking, and he's talking about the gate, right? And he's like, yeah, yep. it's, it's great. It's clean and sturdy. And <laughs> Rose Byrne thinks she's talking about him. And she's like, oh, wow. And then she says something. And then he goes, no, you're pretty too. She's like, why? Well, I wasn't fishing. Like, that's a funny – I mean, I don't know if kids can get on the, like, the fishing joke, but that's a – like, he says the fence is clean and sturdy, and she takes it as a compliment. And then she's like, oh, yeah. well, I'm not fishing. So I think why their chemistry worked so well is because it wasn't the classic dorky, dorky guy meets beautiful girl. It was like they were both really dorky people. Lunatics. Yeah. And it's just kind of like I'm happy they found each other. Yeah, because they are like so they're they don't seem to ever have past relationships. No. And they're in their 30s. So but you must have friends like this, too. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of friends where I'm like, they'll meet someone, get married. I'm like, I'm happy you guys found each other because I can't imagine anybody else <laughs> marrying you. Like, I'm your friend and I love you, but like, I don't imagine this. This is the only person I can see. And then you guys are <laughs> so blissfully happy together. Yeah, these these two are on the same weird label. Like, cause he's she doesn't mind the fact they spins around in circles shooting spray stuff and then squirts himself. He doesn't know how that works. He no. uses it. And then he shoots himself – he uses it perfectly. Then he shoots himself in the eyes with it. A man who's so down on keeping things clean that he cleans with a toothbrush in the toilet. He doesn't know how to spray bottle works. No. I love this world. And also, I want to know the relationship between Rose Byrne and the guys in the local hardware store. So that's she, the movie. When you're talking movies you want to see, I want to see the hardware store movie about those two guys. She tells them everything. Yeah. She, they know all about her. I mean, they. She immediately went there and told them everything. So what they? What did they say? Um, 
Oh yeah, like oh, so you moved here, but you're you're moving it just to sell, so you can move back to London and open a toy store next to Harrods, so you can get them out of business. And then Donald goes, "This is my, I think this is my favorite line." He goes, "That is incredibly accurate and disappointing." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is this is just firing on all cylinders. This movie. And then he goes, "I do understand the basics of fundamental things," and then the door won't close. And I'm like, yeah, it's really difficult. Now, my favorite part, dude. Is okay. the rib breaking. Yes. I mean, oh, well, yes. and there's an entire bit about Donald getting hit in the nuts with bunny shooting slingshot tomatoes and blackberries out of his nether regions. But right. the rib breaking, she just willy-nilly keeps breaking her ribs. Well, because the farm animal or the, the forest animals throw, like, the biggest rager since <laughs> yeah. season four of Smallville. Like, it's just, it's just this party happening. And it's it's literally like when you watch like the high school movie parties and you're like, oh, that's going to be a mess to clean up and blah, 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 blah. But this is like animal filth on top, on top of that. <laughs> and you're like, well, this it, it was it was unsettling watching these animals party. But then she just falls down. Like she just jumps off willy nilly and just like face plants against the floor. And then concerningly, and it starts off, she goes, I think I broke a rib. And then Peter was it. Peter says like, "Oh, yeah. you've got 13. more than one, thirteen of them." And she goes, "Oh!" And she runs. And she she jumps up. She's like, "I got thirteen, so that that's okay." Like it's a very um like child and money relationship. Yeah. Where it's like, I've got money, I should spend it. It's like, why don't you save it? Well, I have money, I'll spend it. And so she's like, "I got ribs, I'll break them." And then when they learn, oh, you have thirteen on both side, she jumps off the car and breaks another one. After she, she, she had broken four, she's like, oh, now you're down to 19. Yeah. And it's just like, just for just for the fun of doing it. Do you think she really wants to break Rose Byrne's ankles at the end? Um, so here's the thing about movies. And you often see it in like training montages with like masters and ninjas and stuff. And they're like full out swinging swords at each other that would like clearly kill somebody if, if the student's not on his game. So they have the intention and ability and method to kill, to kill, but they just out of circumstance don't. And I think if, and then because of the wise master, always like, oh, I was never going to kill you, but you, you, you might've, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a chance. You know I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, the, when they're so swinging sword. Yeah. In these movies where people are swinging axes at each other, what if they dip instead of dodge? Right. So I think that like, they could have broken the ankles and, and there might've been like, Oh, I'm good. The, 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 the viable threat of it. But I don't think it was in her heart to break those ankles because those rabbits love her, man. They, oh, yeah. they go to her house and just hang out all the time. Yeah. They're big. They're big Rose Byrne fans. Now, another very funny moment is at the end when they look at Rose Byrne and Donald like, Oh, what are you two married? And then Donald tries to get on his knee to propose. And she just says, get up. <laughs> <laughs> that was improv, right? That had to be, that had to be, and they were like, "Keep it." Like I think, I think he he made the joke, and then she just stayed in character, and it was the greatest take ever. How awesome would it have been working with these two? Well, this this movie, so it was a hard time the, filming, though, from what I heard. Yeah, because I'm saying, like, it, it watching it, like this maybe was the most fun movie ever made, but all the like shenanigans are off screen, like they're not there; they're acting against nothing. And I I don't know, man. Like I think that would be the 
I act like I was in plays and I kind of do do that still. Um, I think acting against nothing would be very, very hard, especially in a very physical comedy movie like this. You know what's interesting? Uh, you remember when Megan said, or maybe you said it, but Michelle Williams took Venom because she wanted to learn how to act with that kind of stuff? Just yeah. to, That's why these guys took this movie. And Donald, I have this thing where he's like, yeah, uh, so he took it for the, the – um, he took this movie for the physical comedy, and he put, yeah, we did a lot of prep for a couple reasons. One was that because the rabbits aren't actually in the room, obviously. They haven't trained rabbits to wear jackets and beat the crap out of me and speak and stuff. The reactions had to be really planned out in advance. If he runs up your leg and punches you in the face, you have to react in a chain reaction that looks natural, but is also funny, and can work with all the stuff that's happened before. So that had to be trained. And then the comic beats of just working out what's actually funny and not leaving it to the day. But that was all really good fun. I loved all that stuff. But that's tough. Yeah. He, So I, I, the animation's so good you take it for granted, but... Rose Byrne and he were looking at tennis balls for the majority. Right. There were people in blue leotards that were squat on the ground. And the performances that they got still are very good. I mean, Donald. Very believable. I mean, he had now the amount of faith that they. Well, so uh, she worked with Will Gluck on Annie. Rose Byrne did. So they're friends. Yeah. He had to have a lot of faith in this Gluck. To, Absolutely. I mean, because you're getting shot. Uh, you're doing. There's, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he's an ex machina. He's been in some big movies, Star Wars, and he has to pull a, a yoga pose, in a scene where he's getting hit in the balls by tomatoes by rabbits. <laughs> oh, and I'm so happy he did. Yeah, like it, it just works. I love, I, I loved it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie. So, uh, hey, so, so we, oh, go for it. I was gonna say, so uh, as I said, my wife is in, my wife is in Peru. And so we've been we, – the kids have been staying up a little later than usual and kind of just doing goofy dad stuff. Um, so my son and I just recently watched Bumblebee, which Ooh, is dynamite. So, dynamite. so good. So Megan and I watched and just loved it. So Why do they call them Decepticons? <laughs> he's never seen the other Transformers movies because they're notably very, very bad. Oh, yeah. Um, but he was like, oh, like – so we watched the first one last night which is the best of the other ones oh yeah i mean by a country by a peter rabbit country mile 100 percent. but what i noticed was it was noticeably bad looking back at it now when they're interacting with the robots that aren't there like the little robots and like it, it, it just look it, it looks very jarring that it's like oh sam wiki's doing a thing and then they're going to animate around him and kind of make it work whereas in peter rabbit it was it was seamless to me yeah i mean I guess with uh, I'm not I, I like Shia as an actor and I, I actually liked his kind of hero in that movie this fast talking huckster that you don't yep. really see well hucksters sell small goods I don't think he's really well no in the beginning he's trying to sell something so yeah, he's could, trying to shickle all his grandfather stuff yeah so he is a huckster hey that that was that works great so yeah, I, I liked the I liked how he's a different hero in it but yep. you you have Rose Byrne and Donald Gleason on set yeah right so that has Next to up. be uh, that's nothing against Shia or – I mean it's also the time, what, 2007. I mean technology's yeah, come no, a long just, way. But it was just very noticeable that they shot that and they were like, okay, how do we animate around this? It wasn't it wasn't planned out like these Peter Rabbit shots were clearly planned out. And, it, and again, not just to be able to get the shot but to make the shot funny. Oh, yeah. 
This movie, yeah. this movie's alive. It just uh, sorry about the yawn. Uh, this movie's no, just um. Alright, so if you're watching Peter Rabbit, watch it and, and just kind of bask in it, and then watch it again and just look at everything in the background. Yeah. I mean, there's so, we haven't talked about the pig yet. We got a lot. To, we, we still have our oh, animated pig, squad. My favorite line or moment was when they, the rabbits were going to plan on just running on the axle of the truck. <laughs> yeah. And then they just all fall off, and Peter was like, yeah, that never would have worked. Like, <laughs> He's like that. That 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 would have never never worked. We that we it, it was it was a failed idea. And he just I don't know. Just something about like I need to be very clear that that was a, a bad idea. Everything he says is so on the nose. It's but he's so confident that it's gonna work, and then it doesn't. And then he's like, yeah, that was stupid. Yeah. I mean, the, but that's very Cordon-esque. And I do like that a pig pig puts on lip bomb, lip balm and not um, lipstick. Lipstick. Jeez Louise. Yeah, and my the- kids. Um, do that bit every day it's lip bomb every day <laughs> no i do want i dude he got margot robbie daisy ridley and elizabeth debicki to play penguins and they were awesome in it they i loved their voice i, I loved the the lisp of margot robbie i thought that was so much fun and i don't know i i want more of these bunnies i love these little things yeah no we i could go with a spin-off movie of just the, the rabbits i want their technical savvy in a movie. I want them to see their engineering skills. They could lift that tree back up. They could. Do you think they could fix that tree? Well, they did it with a tractor in the end. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, they... so, yeah, this world takes care of itself. By the end of the by the end of the uh, the movie, things are back where it is. Now, the moment that got to my wife, and, and it got to me a little bit, was when he's looking at a picture of his parents. And the narrator says, if we were telling a regular story, this is what their parents were, would say. And they give him like really sound advice and have a heartfelt moment. And they're like, but we're not telling that story. And then that moment never happens. And then Peter goes on to go on to more shenanigans and whatnot. But it was just like this really earnest, heartfelt moment in the middle of it. We like, if the parents were here, they could parent these men. <laughs> no, you know what I like, though, is he said the only, he went for James Corden first. Uh, he said because Peter has elements of Ferris Bueller and that he does stuff. He's often wrong. He's never in doubt. He's charming. He makes big mistakes and he has to eat a lot of crow. The bigger thing for me, because I have two girls and it manifests itself in the triplets, is that you think that if you're the oldest and a new sister or brother arrives, your world's completely changed. More than any of us. Wait, no, wait. Um, no, that, that wasn't it. But he said he had to hire James Corden because he pulled that off. That was my bit. And that's a total different rant about... But I guess what you said is he has no adult supervision. But for some reason, no. since it's James Corden and he's like a Ferris Bueller, it works. Right. I don't right. think this could have worked with another actor. No. I As well. As James, well. If it, no, if it wasn't James Corden, um, oh, I, 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 can't, I can't pick another guy. I found the right one. I knew I needed a guy who's able to say things that are crazy, inappropriate, and wrong-headed, but sweet. And you cared about him because you knew it was coming from the right place and had to be British. There's not many like that. <laughs> had to be British. Yeah, uh, but he's right, though. I mean, he's... Do you think David Tennant could have pulled it off? He's just too... I think he's too old? Maybe. He yeah. Have... David Tennant could. He could play, like, the rascally uncle who Ooh, comes like back that. into their lives and is a motor mouth. I want to say this. I want to say this live right now and... uh trademark it <laughs> david Tennant should play jeremy fisher the frog 
Oh. All right, let's burn a CD and let's certify mail it to ourselves. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and we're going to be associate producers on this movie. Oh, no, we got we got to get that Sweet Peter Rabbit money. Apparently, yeah. there's a lot of it to go around. We got to get that pottery money. Yeah. And again, I think it's I think it's cool that the budget for this was nice and low because, you know, like the Avengers is going to make a billion dollars. Easy. But the budget's going to be 300 million. Yeah. Right? So profit-wise, like where are you really at? The return on investment. Yeah, I mean, let's say they spent 50 million for marketing, right? Cuz you're supposed to do half yep. the budget, but let's say they just did 50 million. They still made 215. That funds another one of these and marketing. And they probably there'll be a bigger budget, 75. They'll pay Corden more. So let's say the second one costs 80, you market for another 50, you have 130. You've still made a, a solid 85 million after, you know, even after making two two movies. Right. So it's paid for the sequel and the yeah, marketing. And there, there wasn't a lot of merchandise that came out with this movie either. I thought for sure we would have had stuffed animals everywhere and kids have been all about it, but it 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 uh it didn't it didn't they didn't really have a marketing machine behind it. I'm going out on a ledge here. Big one. It's not a Dude. ledge at all. But because of the Netflix and every, yep. uh, every parent I've talked to, adult, loves Peter Rabbit. So I think the sequel is going to have no problem making money. No, I think it might make sure. more. It only made $115 million in the States, which isn't much if you think about it. No. So Still, still double the budget, though. Yeah, still double the budget for sure. Uh, it's just not the blockbuster of, say, a Pixar or a Despicable right. Me that makes a billion dollars. So – the next one I think will clear 160, and then it'll make another probably 300. I think the next one could do 450 worldwide. Okay, that's my prediction. So, so, I also think this is a bit of a sleeper movie where I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't do it or see it until it came on DVD. Well, I, I didn't watch it till Netflix. I had no urge um, until I heard everyone raving about it. Right. So it's not on. Oh no, we just got it on Canadian Netflix as well. Um, but just recently, but uh, yeah, it, it's I discovered it on DVD, and now I've bought it on DVD four times as gifts for people. Oh wow! So I think it's I think it's the thing that on Blu-ray and DVD, it's, that's going to make it it's as much money. Like I think I think that's gonna, the DVD sales are going to be huge for it. I think parents will buy the crap out of it because oh yeah, uh, just put it on. And Netflix is nice, but I know I know you can stream and stuff, but it's nice to have that DVD with kids around. Just throw kids, it in. Kids, yeah, kids' DVDs are, are, I think, way more marketable now than, like, an adult. That, that sounds gross, but, like, <laughs> yeah, no, I think a regular movie it's DVD. It's basically just Marvel and big superhero movies and kids' movies, probably. Unless, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm big in the... Maybe criteria. Star Wars, maybe Star yeah. Wars. I'm big in the Criterion, so I get Criterion movies. I like Scream Factory. I think they churn out some really good ones. And if movies, like... You know, Fallout has a commentary. If movies put a commentary on a Blu-ray, I'll buy it. But I don't think many people yeah. do that. So, no. but no, I mean, this, I can't wait to have my uh, niece and nephews in town. I'm going to pop on Peter Rabbit and we're going to have a great time. Oh, you're, they're going to love it. They're going to just die laughing because it's so good. All right. So, how, so do, good. how do you feel about this? Time for our animated. Uh, so we're put, we put together an all animated animal squad who could successfully pillage. Oh, we, we didn't even talk about the um, wet willy scene. But um, who could successfully pillage a garden? Okay, before we do this though, when he touches his eye and he says, "I felt brain," <laughs> die, I so, die. The movie's crazy. Going in the ice cream truck. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So right. we we each picked what five, 
and so we'll, and then we'll narrow it down to six and right. they, they're just they could attack any garden and be successful yes all right so uh can, can i kick it off i want you to kick it off i'm going with the raccoon from incredibles 2 okay yeah that like that crazy rac- raccoon he's not stealthy but nope. he fought a baby with laser vision and special powers to a standstill. Yeah. This raccoon would wipe the floor. Uh, Donald's not killing it. Sam Neill's not killing it. This is, oh, no. this raccoon is your muscle. Right. I mean, it, it knows how to square off with people. It's not going to back down. It's tenacious. It, w- it wasn't going to give up fighting this child. No, 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 no. It, it's It's determined like nothing else you've ever seen. And I think it's, I like it's, it's just going after trash. It's not going that bad. So I don't think it would totally destroy this guy's garden. I think since it, it, it had to scrabble for stuff for so long that it'll be respectful towards the garden and just take what it needs. It won't be like the animals in this movie. So that's my first pick. It's the raccoon from Incredibles 2. Okay. So I picked, um, rabbit from Winnie the Pooh. Ooh. Because he's always been the victim of people taking things from his garden. Like, he's always a meticulous gardener. And so I think that in this version, um, he's had enough is enough, and he just snaps. And then he he's like, I'm going to... All the vegetables that have ever been stolen from my garden, I'm going to take them back now. Like, the, the judgment day is here. <laughs> and he just, he's just unleashing his uh, his his prowess on other other gardens it's a revenge tale and he needs some muscle too doesn't he oh absolutely he's not really that physical no he's a mastermind got it so he's like the he's like he's where the pad is he's he's the danny ocean where everyone goes to at the house is the danny ocean or the other ocean in oceans eight right the sandy ocean oh gosh the (laughs) bulk he's he's the bulk of it all yeah All right, uh, my next one. This one's really weird, but I'm getting Pascal from Tangled. He is the he's Camille- my favorite Disney character. Yeah, he's amazing, and he he could blend in, right? He he's yep. down for fisticuffs. He he'll punch people. He's very yeah. loyal. If he gets if he's in the garden, he could just blend into a tomato, at a moment's notice. He's he's adorable. He's got a nice little tongue, and I just like him. He's just, he, I like having Pascal around. He's a no, that's sweet. good. He's a little That's sweet. Great. He's a little sweetheart. <laughs> he is, and and you know what? Every every team needs like a mascot, and yeah. I think Pascal would be the perfect mascot. He would be legit. Uh, who's your second? Um, <laughs> okay, so here we're gonna a get Ruck, real. Here. Did Rucker Hauer ever voice an animal? I I'm I was looking hard for a a Rucker Hauer reference, and I could not could not pull one. Um, but I went down a different a different road here. And uh, I'm going to say Poe from Kung Fu Panda. Oh, my gosh. No oh, he would. He, no one could stop him. No. It would just be he, – he would be the guy who would be sitting in plain sight in the garden. And Farmer McGregor comes out and then Poe just Kung Fu's him to death. <laughs> I think would people even fight Poe? They would just sort of – they would just say, okay, Poe. Back away slowly. Yeah. All right, Poe. You got it. Would yeah. Poe – so we're these they've all gone bad, is what we're assuming, yeah, right? No, th- yeah, th- this is this is they've they've all snapped. Oh wow, oh man, Poe, and he would demolish your garden in a day. Yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be it'd be a wasteland when he was done. 
It would look like Steel Dawn. Oh, Steel Dawn starring Poe? <laughs> Just going around <laughs> drinking water from everybody? That's amazing. Oh, I love it. Uh, my third is Sid the Sloth from Ice Age because I'm I'm just a big John Leguizamo fan. I want him to get more work. Yes. I mean, he I survived can... the Ice Age and he's friendly. I like Sid the Sloth. <laughs> now, you know sloths are famous for being slow, right? Now, listen. Have you heard my theory about sloths? No, but I want to they're not. They're not slow. Okay. They are just waiting. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm dead serious. If... If sloths were that kind slow, like dolphins, like yeah, the, the dolphins, they will fly away. Guy. Thanks for all the fish. Uh, they are just waiting because if they were, re- I know they can get in canopies and all that kind of stuff, but if they were really real, the animals in those jungles would have destroyed them by now. They are so when they get in the water and they swim and they look cute, that water is infested with large things that could destroy them. Right. When we are not looking, sloths are not slow. So they're kind of like the weeping angels of the animal kingdom? Yes. When you have your back turned, they are swinging in trees. They, they are swinging 70 times in one second, and then they stop immediately and look slow. And everyone thinks okay. they're cute. We're all holding them. But those claws are sharp. And so they're just waiting. The government is, the government is like Jurassic World in these things, and they're slowly integrating them into the world, into political leaders – to stage coups like hey, here's a here's a pet sloth and the sloth just gets his throat slit takes out generals so mark to make a movie it takes a little bit of money yeah so we need to make a smaller scale movie to generate our capital to start potter world yeah what would you think about a low budget movie posing the theory that sasquatches aren't real it's been sloth the whole time i i think so i mean they are it is sloths. There are large sloths. I mean, they. Well, just like they're so ferocious when no one's watching, they leave the they leave the evidence of a Bigfoot. <laughs> wait, so wait, they kill Bigfoots? No, no, like the we'll we'll this the the opening scene will we'll discount the um like the famous Bigfoot footage as a hoax, and then the evidence will be like, okay, well, if if the Bigfoot footage was a hoax. What about all the other evidence, like the damage left? And it's all just sloths when no one's watching them, like packs of them causing a ruckus. And, and so Sasquatches aren't real. It's just sloths that are doing all the damage and leaving all the evidence of a Sasquatch. I, I think that's perfect. But I don't think sloths would leave anything. I don't, I don't, no. think, I don't think sloths want to be figured out that they're conspiring to blame Bigfoots. I think they're so stealthy that no one knows. Okay. Like, I think they caused a 2008 real estate bubble to burst. <laughs> That's fantastic. No one knows. You know, you see the big short, they blame other people. They made an entire movie. The Slavs watched that movie and laughed. At us. Yeah, because they did it. And the reason being is that housing market boomed houses stopped being built which halted deforestation which kept their habitats aka their headquarters from being demolished right long game sloths okay long game that's the inverse sloth movie the long game <laughs> wait the, the 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 long wait the big short the little the little long the little long oh brother okay. all right <laughs> where's your third pick um 
my third pick is Curious George. Oh. From, like, the version from the Will Ferrell movie, the Will Ferrell animated cartoon movie with the Jack Johnson soundtrack. Oh, I love that soundtrack. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, But I just think, like, he would be one of the characters that hadn't snapped, but he's just curious. He sees... He sees this bunch of animals go into the garden. He sees Poe and Rabbit, and uh, he, he sees, like, a sloth going over there. And he's just like, what's going on over there? I'll go check it out. I'll go eat some fruit. And so he's, like, the innocent bite. Like, every teenage movie has that, like, innocent nerd that just shows up by mistake. Yeah. That's Curious George. Because you need that. You need. So this is a gang of criminals. So you need right. to have the fresh face in there so they can dump all the expository dialogue onto the curious person because they're asking questions and they give them answers, hence expository dialogue. Whose garden is this? Why are we taking the food? All that kind of stuff. We can get that through the organic entry of Curious George because he's curious. Yeah, he's just swinging around. And he's he's in North America because, you know, the man with the yellow hat brought him over. And then the man in the yellow hat got shot by Poe one day. Oh. But Curious George yes. doesn't know that. This got real dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so I feel weird for introducing my next one, and that's Gromit. Uh, okay. Because he's a technical genius, right? I mean, he's clay. But, yeah. And he can grow his own vegetables. He grows amazing vegetables. But if he turns right. evil, imagine the, 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 the technical engineering he could do to destroy gardens. Yeah. That could work. I like what you're talking about. Gromit gone evil. So I'm going to change my fifth animal. Uh-oh. Simply because of the story arc where Poe killed Curious George's <laughs> man with the yellow hat. Because my, my, fifth, my fifth choice um, was originally going to be Daffy Duck because he, he's so nuts. Like, he's just this angry, like, but I'm scrapping that. And I'm going to say... Near the end of the movie, where these animals are attacking the garden, Caesar shows up <laughs> with an iPad, and he shows Curious George a video of Poe killing his dad, or the man with the yellow hat, and Curious George loses it. And then it becomes, you know, all like a point break scenario. Yeah. Where, you know, they had become friends. Yeah, they had gone on this adventure together, and the, now it, it all have, stops. They have to skydive after each other. Yeah. And then he has to stop him them from their next big garden heist. Yeah. And, and he teams it, up with Gary Busey. He teams up with Gary Busey. Gary Busey, uh, Gary Busey hound dog. I love it. I love that so much. <laughs> Everything about what we're talking about now. So who's your – so is that is that the 10? No, I got my you, – you have one more left, don't you? Because I still got to drop one. Uh, I got. Right. I think. I think we got mixed up because I had um, Rabbit from Winnie the Pooh, Poe, Curious George. Yeah, no. And then I had Caesar. So I, yeah, I have one more. Okay, uh, Caesar from uh, the, the the Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Okay. My last one is the Niffler from Fantastic Beasts because okay. it just would steal with reckless abandon. I mean, it doesn't care what you are. It's just going to steal. It has no conscience. So even when it's a good Niffler. It steals. Imagine when it's a bad Niffler. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, cool. so that's my fifth. Who's your fifth? So I uh, I feel bad because I'm doing a lot of primates. <laughs> I, I feel bad about that, but 
originally I had a duck in there, but then Caesar had to be the one to show him the iPad because that's only something Caesar could do, and he could do it in that real slow Planet of the Apes kind of here's your mission kind of way. He and he was an inspiring character more than anything. Um, but my fifth one is the monkey from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Whoa! That like tries to poison Indiana Jones with the dates and stuff. Yeah, and then it yeah, gets poisoned itself, right? Exactly. Um, but he's just an evil monkey. That's an like evil he's monkey. He's a henchman, henchman monkey. And so he could do a lot of the reconnaissance going in there and like making sure the fruit's ripe. And, and I think he would be a, a, a good, smart member of this garden destroying team. And we could kill him off. Oh, easily, easily act one first death. Uh, he, he gets killed because he gets to wait. No, he gets killed. All right, can I pitch something to you? Pitch it. All right, so Curious George gets in with this group. He gets recruited. I love what's happening right now. By Caesar, voiced by Gary Busey. Okay. Gary Busey, you know, says you got to go undercover. And Curious George is like, sure, I already was because I'm curious. Right. But I'm curious to see where this leads, so I'm going to do it. They go in. They find out that he is a cop. They have a gunfight. And... This monkey dark. from Raiders gets wiped out first. He's like the buddy in the, you know, point break, they have the mask and one guy gets shot and they have to leave him behind because he's shot. That's that monkey. The monkey gets okay. wiped out while we still have to pick our gang. So we have to pick. All right. So Curious George, he joins. So I guess our group is our gang's five people, right? Right. So then we'll have, we already have Poe, right? Yeah, Poe is, like, essential to the story. Okay, so we have Poe and Monkey. And then, so we need to pick three more people to join our gang. Because Caesar comes in later, right? right. Caesar's not Caesar's part of the gang. Is that, are you okay with gang. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we need to pick three between the six of the Raccoon from Incredibles 2, the Niffler, Sid the Sloth, Gromit, Pascal from Tangled, and Rabbit. Oh. So I think, yeah. I think... The raccoon has to be from Incredibles has to be in there, okay? Because he's like Luca Brazzi. He's like a higher. He's like the right hand muscle. He doesn't care for power. No, he's just like he's he does he he's he's the one who's on to Curious George. He knows. Absolutely, absolutely, he knows. And he's that you know he's the guy from you know Fast and the Furious that wants to date Nia but she dates Paul Walker instead. Oh, even though he even though he senses that she he's a cop and he's right. Yeah, no, he he's <laughs> the smartest guy of the whole the whole crew. <laughs> All right, so we have Monkey from Raiders, Poe from Kung Fu Panda, and the Raccoon from Incredibles two. Who else should we toss in? I can't I can't see Sid the Sloth gone evil. I can't do it. No, he's the only way that Sid can make the team is that he's unaware of what's going on. He's just blissfully there. Yeah. Now, so we have a leader. I think Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, I think Rabbit from. If we have a leader, we don't need Rabbit from Winnie the Pooh. Because Poe's Poe the leader, right? Poe's Poe the godfather of this, of this operation. All right, so we have we have this the we have Monkey, who's kind of the 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 crazy one who gets shot. Then we have Raccoon, who's the sidekick, the right hand man. Then we have Poe. So right in the left, we have Niffler, Gromit, and Pascal left. So I think Niffler needs to be there because he's like. He's the guy who gets stuff. Like he's the he's the hands and feet of this operation. He's like the yeah, and he he doesn't have a conscience about any of it. Like there's no. when they're robbing and surfing, there's a surfing scene. They he's just happy. He's totally surfing 
<laughs> with custom size surfboards. They're yeah, all 100%. they're all totally he's fine with whatever goes on. He he doesn't even care that they go back for one last robbery. No. He's it's it's all life is one big robbery to him. Yeah. So he's he he's like, I don't care if we're going for too much. We let's do it. We got one big hit left. All right, so now we got Gromit or Pascal. Now Gromit uh, we have a leader, right? Like yeah. we're gonna Pascal, I think I gotta see Pascal because he can we already have our main characters, right? So Pascal's more of, you know, he's what I doing mean? interesting things in the background. Yeah, Gromit's because we do well. We don't really have a technical guy, which could be Gromit. Just imagine Gromit with like an eye patch, smoking a cigarette, and coming up with he's the driver. I see that, but I also see Pascal as being like in the scenes where, you know, Poe was revealing that he killed Man in the Yellow Hat, and he's talking to the to the raccoon to keep his eyes out. They don't know Pascal's there, and then you see him change color, kind of like a predator. Yeah. At the end of the scene, I see that adding some interest to what's going. And the whole time you're like, is Pascal for us or like against us, or like, is he a spy for Gary Busey's Caesar, or like what's going on? And then at the end, it turns out Pascal is the evilest of them all. He's the Kaiser Sose. He's the Kaiser Sose. They and they, there's always the one that they get wrong about being the spy, and they right. think that's Pascal. Also, I want to see Pascal with – I want to see him with, a, like, a mini blowtorch. Okay, I'm down with this. A, a mini, like, for his hands, it's totally normal. So a yeah, custom, it's a two-scale blowtorch. Yeah, I want to see him work that and, like, cut a little hole in the side of the, the, the rock that no one can really see because then he'll plug it in so he can get in and out of gardens. Absolutely. Wow. And then this ends with – just another surfing, the exact same ending in Point Break because it's perfect. Right. Yeah. No, it's just Point Break for animals. <laughs> we'll call it, we'll call it Breaking Point because post post snaps. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I love it. We just can't. We've we've come up with three different movies. No, it's yeah. No, it's it's the the, the double H, the Hoffmeyer Hodgins trilogy. <laughs> the pottery. The, the pottery, the pottery, the thieving, and then the Slavs. Yeah, it's happening, man. This is it. This is this is where it all starts. And we also brought up about eight different movies we want to see. So we ended up. Yeah. We got. Right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna certify mail this to myself. Absolutely. Also, um, change the subject. You had mentioned uh, online that you're looking for um, the best Kurt Russell movie for your 200th episode. Oh, we're breakdown in it. You are you breakdowning it? Well, you and I are just going to do it. For our 200th, okay. we're thinking we're going to do Soldier, but you and I got it. We'll do Breakdown. Breakdown, I think, is his best acting. Not his best movie, but his best acting. You know, you, All right, so don't kill me. I watched this when I was young, right? A young, okay. in, in, impetuous 14-year-old who was... And I would say I watched it then, too, and that was a time when movies weren't even good or bad. They were just movies. You were just happy to be watching a movie. But I think, but when you watched it, I just thought it, I didn't get that it was a that it was a tense thriller that was subtle. Yes, and like I didn't get that. I just thought it was kind of boring. Well, I also wasn't married at the time. Yeah, you're right. So I just wasn't. You know, I I really appreciated cinema at the time, but I for some reason it just didn't click with me. So I'm very excited to watch it again because I told Megan you're gonna like Megan because of this. Oh um, yeah. I, was I like, already like Megan. She's my I, best friend. I told Megan, you know, I don't know if I like Breakdown. She's like, what? <laughs> 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 it's 
So I was like, I need to watch Breakdown again. So you and right. I got to do Breakdown. But we have to do Constantine, and then we have the movie you told me about. Night Riders. Night Riders. And then we then we could oh. do Breakdown or whatever. The, I still want to do Goon. Yeah, we, we got to get Goon at some point in we gotta time. We got to do Faster. What, what's are you a, are you a hockey fan? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I will. It really peaked in '93 when I played NHLPA '93 a lot, and also I'm a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan, and they've had some good runs. Okay. So when Martin St. Louis, uh, Vinny LeCavier, should we do Goon on the night of the Stanley Cup Championships? When is that? I don't know. Let's do that, and you and I we'll have figure to figure that out. Though. We, so we'll, we'll do Goon, and we'll put together our hockey squad. So we have to pick yes. actors from any. So we did a football squad, where it was three of us: John Lazavath, John Levigood. John Lazavath picked the Sarlacc Pit as a wide receiver. Oh, I, I can get behind and this. And John Leving, or Levingood had no reaction to it. It's one of my favorite moments because he's like, "What? What? Huh? What? It? Uh, it? Uh, I think he's a perfect wide receiver." But yeah, so that we'll do that. Goon on Stanley Cup final, and a hockey squad. Absolutely. Uh, is hockey? Oh, wait. Hockey is being played right now. It's yeah, not, yeah. It's not playoffs not, yet. Not playoffs yet. But when when that happens, we'll we'll do goon. And I'll re- we'll release it on that day. Right. I love it. All right. Cool. Any uh, final thoughts about Peter Rabbit? Um, if you haven't watched it, regardless of your age or your allergies, <laughs> just go watch it. It's if you can't have fun watching this movie then uh, you can't have fun. Like, it's just it's just fantastic. I need to – I'm going to go watch it again right now. And I might break a rib on the way down. We'll see. I'm tempted. That's good. That's good. I want you to, I want you to break a rib. <laughs> and then um, when you're in the, in the waiting room – Extreme pain. Extreme pain. And you're feeling the thing. It's a cause. And you say, inspired – I was imitating Peter Rabbit. Because remember when, like – there's all those violent shootings. People were like blaming the Matrix. Yep. I want people to start blaming Peter Rabbit for rib injuries. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, wait. Oh, we just got a question come in from my brother. Okay. He actually sent us a bunch. Um, has there ever been another cartoon movie where the actor doing the lead voiceover hinted, made a joke about who she was in real life? Uh, yes, there. Yes. Ooh, that's tough. No, I, I, I remember being amazed by it. I think Tom Hanks made a Forrest Gump reference in one of the Toy Story movies. It's had to have happened in Shrek, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tangled? Beavis? Wait, man, South Park? Yeah, I I, I can't think of any specific moments, but I know that there is one that I remember, like, thinking, oh, he's talking about himself. Yeah, oh, man. This is a great question, though. Your yeah. brother is a great man. All right, so we'll, we'll answer this on the next one. He also asked, do you think Donald Gleason will ask his agent to find him a movie where he doesn't get beaten up, got roughed up in Star Wars 2? Well, he's doing a sequel to this. Yeah. So maybe he likes it. I. So I think Nicolas Cage made a reference to Nicolas Cage in Teen Titans yep, Go. Yep, he did. He Superman. Yep, he did. And also they made references in um, the latest. Didn't they make references in Incredible Spider-Man? No, the, 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 into the Spider-Verse. Didn't they kind of make right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, uh, and it was the Teen Titans one where I was like, ah. And then Donald Gleason. I mean, I think he likes this because, you know, Ex Machina was very good, but it's very thought provoking. 
beautiful movie, but I think he likes it. And he wants to hang out with Rose Byrne more. Yeah, 100%. Ex Machina blew my mind when I saw it. I didn't know. I, I went in cold not knowing anything about it. Blew my mind. She should have gotten Ooh. the Oscar for that in a Danish girl. Uh, Alicia Vikander, she's so sly in that movie. All right, I got three more we'll knock out real quick. Uh, why okay. didn't get a higher Rotten Tomato score? Because it was more relatable to adults. Now, it's in the 50s. I think a lot of people just had their knives out ready to dislike it. And critics, they just, they said he was insufferable. I don't know. I, I've i been to movie screenings, right? So I, I've been to some, I, I go to critic screenings, and the, 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 it seems like the knives are out. If yeah. they all took their kids or nieces and nephews to Peter Rabbit, I think people would like it more. Yeah, you, there's some movies you need to enjoy with a child. Um, but I would say it didn't get a, the specific reason did not get a higher Rotten Tomatoes reading was because the rabbits ate all the good tomatoes and left the rotten ones behind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, my brother, I went to Land Rover. He was driving. Sorry, not a question. Then he wrote, are there any other actors who can go from calm to anger as fast as Donald? Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Ke- Keanu. Um, Keanu Reeves. Um, Pacino. Christopher Walken. Can, can Meryl Streep blast it pretty quick? She can. And you know who else can? Um, oh, Denzel. No. Denzel, but there is a movie. Martin Lawrence. Oh, okay, give me. I gotta check this Sorry. out. <laughs> I keep. No, joking. no. I mean, Will Ferrell can do it. Mark yes, Wahlberg's yeah. very good at it. There was a. Who is that blonde? There's a movie came out in the '90s and it was like about an obsessed. Chris Farley. Mother. Oh, <laughs> Chris oh Farley. are you talking about Serial Mom? Uh, n- yes. Because that's Christine. No, no, no. She could do that too. She'd be great. I think it was Kelly McGillis. Oh, yeah. She could do Rose Byrne could do it. Rose Byrne could definitely do it. Lucy Liu? <laughs> Lucy Liu. She could do it. Yeah. Set, set it up. Xena Warrior Princess. She got pretty uh pretty angry. Wait, sometimes. that's Lucy Lawless. Oh, right. That's what I was thinking. Lucy Lawless. <laughs> Alice yeah, and Lucy Liu Lucy Liu I don't trust. Oh, Olivia Coleman in the favorite. Ooh. She's very good. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, and then um, the last one is, was Rose Byrne normal or borderline crazy in the movie? So in the oh, I think m- she's crazy. In, the mo- in our world, she's crazy. But in that world, she is normal. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, I have to there – was, there was a small part of me that expected at the end of this movie to her, like, fade to white and then wake up from a coma with, like, a stuffed bunny on her bed. And she had <laughs> this fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she was like she went into a coma, and her favorite book as a child was was Peter Rabbit, and it was like oh, it was all just like a figment of my imagination. What what is, what is a Logan? Not Logan Run, a Salem? No, what's the movie? Um, Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. But yeah, her. Jacob's Ladder situation. So, I like that you went to Logan's Run though. That yeah, was fantastic. I saw that. I think it's on Amazon Prime now. So my brain just kind of went there. So I, I think I, in this world she's normal. Yeah. But in in this in uh, wait in that world she's normal, but in our world. Uh-uh. No. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Not normal. Normal? No. Not normal. Even just no. the idea of, like, here's my good paintings and bad paintings. Which one of those ones are going to try and sell? Like, you sell the ones that will make you money, lady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, well, this was fun, man. We got some border. We got all the questions in. We. I got to learn. I got to figure out how to promote this one. Because no, it's going to be. This one's going to the Smithsonian. Well, I think it, it needs to get the most um, like traffic only because we have so many golden ideas 
that when people use those and make money off our ideas, we got to get those executive producer credits. Yeah, at least associate. Yeah, hundred percent. Because that way we get royalties and we're on the thing, and it's easier That's to negotiate. It. If you just say, "Give me, you know, a tissue," fine. Give me associate producer credit, sure. But if you go, "Give me executive cool. producer credit," they're like, mm, you know what I mean? You got to haggle. Yeah. Yeah. My my favorite thing about royalties is I have a buddy or an associate. Like a, like from, the car, from the car washes? Oh, I wish. But he was in one episode of the RoboCop television show from the 90s that was filmed in Toronto. And so every like eight months, he'll get a royalty check for like six cents when someone <laughs> buys a copy of the DVDs. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. I need to get in one of those. I I, I had dialogue ADR into my mouth in American Reunion. I could have been making oh, really? I could have been making American Reunion bucks. Someone ADR where, in my where, where were you in American Reunion? Uh, so if you so I'm all I'm in the big parties. I'm in a lot of Odd Life at Timothy Green too. If you ever watch that, but uh, uh, so there's a party scene where they're doing Jim and that his uh, Jim's dad or Stifler and Jim's dad are doing shots, and mm-hmm. that scene opens up. It's me. They, so for some reason, no one could pour wine. So like, who can pour wine? I'm like, I can pour wine. They're like, okay, good. So they brought me in, and I'm pouring wine, and someone the ADR tell me when into my mouth. Oh, so if had, you would have used your voice, it would have been royalty all city. Those sweet, 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 sweet American pie money. I was also a swim coach in Teen Wolf, and they're like, hey, just give the swim coach swim uh, give the swim coach some lines. And I'm like, yeah, give me some lines. And they're like, they thought about it, and they're like, ah, oh, we just don't have time. So I almost got oh. sweet swim coach royalties from that. Just wanted to so, let you know. As a as a youth a youth worker, I sometimes to to be, you know, current and be able to converse, I have to watch teenage television shows. And so Teen Wolf was what I actually enjoyed and got into. Good actors. That Tyler Good actor. Tyler Hopner, I guess, is Superman now. He was in Everybody Wants yeah. Some, which I love. The one Dylan O'Brien was in the Maze Runner trilogy. Good cast. Yeah, no, but, I thought I thought the show was fun and it like it it, it did little winks at the Michael J. Fox movie. The swim coach was good. Well, the swim coach was the best part of that whole franchise, actually. Yeah, he was good. He um, really did. Ter- <laughs> Brother. <laughs> yeah, I have I have I have a bunch of swim swim coach T-shirts actually. That, that was my first extra role, and I only did about six of them. But uh, that one that one was pretty good. I got paid pretty well for that too. That was in twenty. Nice. That was in twenty ten. 2011, beginning of 2011, freezing, indoor pool. All right, cool. Hey, Fantastic. so I'm get we're gonna okay. do we're gonna do Constantine next. So uh, send us any questions yeah. you have for that, and uh, pitch. Is, is Megan gonna join us for that one? Because Ab- she seemed passionate about. She about loves Constantine. She loves, yeah, she loves Constantine. We'll bring her on, and then uh, okay. then we got the other one that I gotta watch. This uh, you, you Night Riders. Night Riders. All right, so we'll do that. So hey, so for me, Mark Hoffmeyer, for Adam Hodgins, this is movies filmed in flicks. We'll see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.